Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker, longtime Kentucky beat writer. Just a few days away from uh, telling you where I'll be next. But in the meantime, if it's a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, Curtis and I will be here every day, Monday through Friday, talking about the cats on the Locked On Podcast Network. On this edition of the show, we are going to break down what Mark Stoops had to say in his press conference before South Carolina. We're going to talk some basketball recruiting. There's been a lot of little news over the past couple of days. And then we'll wrap with some NBA stuff from former Kentucky players. Uh, obviously, at the end of last podcast, which was really football-heavy, Kyle uh, mentioned Carl Anthony's town contract. We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to also discuss some of the the fun that Enos Cantor has had uh, in his media uh, media dealings, yes. which he always does. Um, but first, uh, Mark Stoops talked today, and Kyle, I don't know how much you got to see or kind of follow along online. I went, and it, it was it was kind of a, a routine routine press conference. Obviously, the question that has kind of been flipped on its head this week is they've gone from the, the quote-unquote hunter to the hunted, where South Carolina now is oddly the team that has a losing streak against Kentucky as opposed to Florida, which was the other way around, obviously. Now, the Florida streak was a lot longer, but he, he kind of just said exactly what he had said going into the Florida game, that it's not um, about the streak or anything like that. And I think Muschamp had a quote on the SEC teleconference that, you know, this is 2018 uh, Kentucky versus 2018 South Carolina, nothing in the past really impacts. So that was his kind of line about that. Kyle, do you really actually buy that though? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, to an extent, I, I think, I think probably we make too much of the historical, you know, series and all of these situations. Um, just because it does, you know, the rosters do turn over a lot and especially over time. I mean, like putting very much into the impact of the previous 31 games on any one given meeting, between Kentucky and Florida, I mean, obviously no one involved in that game was involved or even probably aware of most of those outcomes. And so um, I guess it's a little more impactful because there are a bunch of guys on the South Carolina roster who have been involved in this little losing streak, um, who have uh, been involved in last year's sort of what Kentucky took as disrespect where they didn't shake their hands, they didn't shake the Kentucky players' hands before the game, the captains, you know, and they've, they've had some frustrating losses to Kentucky you know they've had to hear about how you know Kentucky which is viewed as a bottom feeder in the league has now owned them so there's maybe some of that um to it I guess that does factor into it but you know in the end it is it is cliche but true it's just 2018 Kentucky against 2018 South Carolina this I mean even for Kentucky that's good this is the best you know 2018 Kentucky's better than 2017 Kentucky mm-hmm. and I don't know that we know yet that South Carolina is as good or better than 2017 South Carolina because that was a team that finished the season hot and got everybody talking about them as a dark horse in the east and maybe a team that could challenge Georgia and that turned out to not even be close to true I don't know I, I guess that's a, a rambling way to say I don't know how much any of the history really factors in I think it really does come down to how they're playing right now. And Kentucky's playing right now as of five days ago or four days ago, the best football it has ever played under Mark Stoops. And that I think that combined with playing at home and what should be a, a packed house is gives Kentucky an edge for sure. 
Yeah, I think probably the, the altercation or lack of handshakes, whatever the heck happened last year at midfield during that coin toss, will have way more impact than anything anything else. And and that may fuel Kentucky's fire to a certain extent. And they'll they'll find other things. You know, Stoops was asked about what he thought when the point spread came out, and initially South Carolina was favored, even though Kentucky was ranked and had had just such a big win. And he said that he did he didn't care about that spread and he doesn't pay attention to that. But then he also rattled off that they were also dogs to uh, Mississippi State. It's always weird, Kyle, how the coaches never pay attention to any of those things, but they always know them. I don't know if you've ever yeah. noticed that. But Yeah, hmm. I don't read it. I don't hear it. I block it all out, except here's what you guys are saying. <laughs> and, you know, Mark Stoops, now that he's winning, is, is has taken to reciting back to the media all the things that they've criticized him for, Yeah, uh, which tells you he's reading. I mean, he, <laughs> I think he I think he like reeled off two, two stories that were written about him last week after they won the game against Mississippi State. So, yeah, they're paying attention. And whether they seek it out and read it or it's just the sports information director whispering in their ear, or, they're, they're paying attention. Or, you know, one of his buddies sending him a, like a tweet or something and, you know, him not completely reading the whole story. He probably just sees headline. I bet that happens a lot as well. Like, look at these doubters, coach, you know, so friends of friends of his yeah. that'll send him or people around the program and they kind of get passed around. Um, but, you know, he, he doesn't care and it doesn't seem to bother him, I guess. And worse, I mean, you just use it for motivation, I think, is the only thing you could kind of turn it into a positive. He also got a little, not testy, but it's his like joking manner when he doesn't really want to answer something about how he was sick of a narrative. He like cuts off a question and it was about the knocking down doors, which he was the one that kind of. I think he started it. He was talking about it after the Mississippi State game, and it was asked today about where the question was apparently going to be just where did he that kind of come from, the the phrase, which is a pretty common phrase. But that was neither here nor there, and he kind of said, I don't like narratives to last longer than a day, so we're going to move on past that. He said it in a joking right. way, but I was kind of like, okay, I guess if you, if you don't want to talk about it anymore, that's fine. But he was overall in a good mood today, and I think he finally – He's he's starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in these press conference situations. I think that started at the SEC media day, uh, media days down there in Atlanta. He was very comfortable down there, and it, it showed, I guess, why because he actually had a good team. Uh, the other note from the press conference that was newsworthy was the fact that Jordan Griffin, who didn't play in the game against Mississippi State, is back and is ready to go. So that was the only real newsworthy type thing. Um, that that Stoops had to say, and then there was a lot of talk about you know Drake Jackson. Stoops said he was solid, um, he was unbelievable, passionate, and a great technician, because Stoops had mentioned Jackson on his coach's show. And the one thing that I did, he he'd said this before, Kyle, and I don't know if you remember these comments, but he was talking about Jordan Jones, and I think we talked about Jordan a little bit on the last podcast, and he rolled out the line that you know Jordan's great ninety five percent of the time, and yeah. and he 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 reference that in past tense like previous seasons and now he says that you know that the game against Mississippi State was the probably the best game Jordan Jones had ever played and that's kind of I'm glad that I can understand that to a certain extent he said you know he didn't rack up all the numbers but he was doing what he was supposed to do and I think that's a big reason why the defense is so effective yeah not losing his composure in a game where it was clear Mississippi State one was losing its composure but two seemed to be trying to get some guys to lose theirs. 
I thought Kentucky was a little amped up, a little too, a too into that back and forth early on in that game, and it felt like it might hurt them. They had some some silly penalties early, um, but you know I think Stoops talked about that as well in talking about the good pride versus the bad pride, and they, they keep uh, preaching to have that good pride. You know, the bad pride. I, I assume the way I view bad pride is the kind where you want to puff your chest out and show that you're the tougher guy, and so you got to act like an idiot. Um, you know, because you you can't be shown up on the field. The good pride is like knowing you're better, um, knowing that you can win the game just by the way you play and not being drawn into that stuff. Um, and I thought that was interesting because, uh, you know, I think he talked too about you know, grabbing some guys early on in that game and saying, let's keep this, keep focus, stay with this. And the guy you worry about the most not being able to do that is Jordan Jones. And, and he demonstrated many times over his first three seasons that he had trouble with that. And you brought it up, and, and credit to you, you were talking, I think, as much as anything about after the game, um, the way he handled himself in media mm-hmm. where he has kind of made himself scarce in his career at Kentucky. Very scarce. Uh, or or they've made him scarce, pro- probably more likely because they're worried about what he might pop off and say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you noticed that, and, and I think other people did too, and obviously Mark Stoops did. And that that is not a small thing. It's a really, really big thing. Because Jordan Jones is an NFL caliber player. He's an all SEC caliber player. Uh, he is a guy who's one of their, their I would say, three or four best players. Uh, some other guys have emerged, so uh, he's not as high maybe on that list as he was before. But he's, you know, one of their, probably one of their three best defensive players. And when you can't necessarily trust him, you know, you know he's going to play well when he's playing, but you, can you trust him to not do something crazy? and, you know, cost you a penalty or just lose focus, and that can kind of affect the whole rest of the team, that's that's dangerous, and that makes your, your defense sort of more volatile. So to have some consistency out of him is really big. Yeah, and to your point also, they he went on the SEC Network late later uh, Monday. I forget what the show. It's I think it's called uh, Thinking Out Loud, something out loud with Greg McElroy and Marcus Spears. Yep. Yeah. So th- they have a show, and it's kind of like a fun, fun show. So there's him. He probably couldn't get in too much trouble on that show, but it shows that they have confidence in him and allow him to do those kind of thing now. So that's a huge step forward for Jordan Jones, and I can hopefully he'll continue that play on the field. Um, we're gonna jump to some basketball recruiting here in a second, but first I want to let you guys know about my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's gonna win. But if you think you know, you got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's always why I tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are the best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. They have in-game live betting, over/unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new betters and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Use promo code ONCOLLEGE25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And if you're willing to hold out until after 7 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using promo code ONCOLLEGE25. You play, you win, you get paid. 
We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert show or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events and want you to go. You can sort by price or look for seats in a section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more to save even more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. A lot of, a lot of basketball recruiting news popping up in the last couple of days, Kyle. I think the one that I think we mentioned with Ben a couple episodes back was the Isaiah Stewart recruitment, and it has heated all the way up at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's at least one report that he already has the offer. You know, that's one thing that... Um, you know, he was kind of waiting for his offer from Kentucky, which is an odd thing. He's a top five player in the class of 2019, uh, as we talked about with Ben. Maybe just physically the most ready of all the big guys in the class. I mean, he looks like he can come in and dominate. He's got that Bam out of bio type body. Uh, big, powerful, chiseled guy. Uh, high motor, really, really aggressive. Rebounds like crazy. Tries to rip the rim off every time. He's a terrific player, and you go, well, why would Kentucky not offer that guy, you know, top five physical specimen like that? And it's just, I think, really came down to sort of massaging the the situation as they recruit the, the top two players in the class that are also big men, James Wiseman and Vernon Carey. But I think you get to the point, they, they've reached the conclusion, and we see that by all the other interests they're having in big guys, uh, not just Stewart, uh, Oscar Schwebe. Uh, at some point I'm going to know how to pronounce that, but uh, and some others, they realize they're going to lose all their big guys. I mean, maybe all of them after this season. So the front court has major needs, and this guy would fill one for sure no matter who else they take. And I think, too, this is a situation where if you get him and Wiseman, that's fine. Those guys can play together, and they're both going to play and play a ton. If they get him and Kerry, that's fine. They can play and play together and both play a ton. And so I don't think that's a concern. Um, and he has clearly wanted, you know, interest from Kentucky. He's kept them on the list, even as they hadn't offered and, and so many other big schools had. Now it looks like they either have or are, are have basically told him we're ready to offer you. Uh, and they're, and he's set up a visit. They visited him and now he uh, is going to visit Kentucky this coming week. Yeah, that's what I read. Uh, that's what he tweeted yeah. out. So, yeah, that's a that, that is a very big development for sure. And it, he'll be joined by Oscar Schwebe, as we think that's what he's called. Um, so it'll be a big recruiting weekend for Kentucky basketball. Probably could be aided by a, a fun, a fun football game against South Carolina. Those two guys, it's kind of crazy how things have been flipped on their head, <laughs> and it seems like it's it's very very possible that they get these two big guys as opposed to some other big guys they've been looking at for a, a longer time. Specifically, James Wiseman, because I saw. And this isn't the be-all, end-all, um, but the crystal ball pick on the 247 side, I think Jerry Meyer moved his to uh, Isaiah uh, Stewart. So good kind of mojo going for Kentucky at this point. Well, I don't think 
Stewart knows when he's going to sign, if it's going to be November or not. So you'll have to keep an eye on that. Now, among the other big guys that we talked about, Kentucky has recruited a ton of them, but Kofi Cockburn cut his list and Kentucky's not on it. That's not a huge surprise considering the fact that there wasn't a ton of mutual interest as of late between those two guys, those two parties, and he's a, he's a great player, but it just didn't seem to fit out. And considering how many other bigs Kentucky is in on right now, it just makes sense for him to kind of make the his list not include them. And I don't know if you would consider this guy a big guy or not, but Jade McDaniel, the big six foot nine, six foot ten kind of wing player from out in Washington, cut his list to five schools: UCLA, San Diego, Washington, Texas, and Kentucky is also on that list. I don't know how much you know about him, Kyle, but he he seems to be a player that could almost fit it in any in a, like three or four positions on the floor. Yeah, San Diego State. Uh, for yeah, him. you're right. Um, Not the. And his brother is is currently his brother is currently a star there, so that's obviously a factor. He's from the Washington area. Calipari tweeted out the picture of I think Mount Rainier a while back, a couple weeks ago, when he was flying out there to visit him, and I think fl- tweeted a second picture of Mount Rainier on the way coming back um, to let us all know he was out there. Uh, well, you know, positionally, I mean, might not say he's a big man, but he's a big man. He's mm-hmm. six ten, seven foot wingspan, Kevin Durant type body, you know, type player. Um, not to put it on him that he's Kevin Durant, but that's if you're trying to envision what type of player this guy is. An- another guy who Kentucky has sort of slow played, I guess you'd say a little bit. And really, again, I think it's just because of some other guys in the class. I think also it's interesting, like if you think about it. Um, Calipari and Kentucky haven't, they recruit nationally, but they haven't really spent, I don't think a lot of time and effort in part, and, and certainly haven't signed a bunch of West coast guys. And when they have, they haven't all worked out. Marcus Lee from California transferred obviously back to Cal, Kyle Wilcher from what Portland, I think, you know, ended up transferring back out West to Gonzaga. Uh, I'm trying to think about, well, Terrence Jones, I guess worked out. He's from up in the Northwest as well. Um, but that was one where he, he committed in a big ceremony, I think to Washington Yes, and uh, almost immediately realized he had probably made a mistake and then signed with Kentucky, backed out of that and signed with Kentucky. And that was obviously a big, uh, uh, brouhaha, um, people pointing fingers and getting mad about that. But you know, they, there haven't been a ton of those guys. I mean, really, uh, Kentucky's recruited Chicago and New York and Georgia and, and places like that. Um, you know, more in, I guess, on this side of the uh, of the country. I'm trying to think if you look at this year, the furthest west guy is is Tyler Hero from Wisconsin, right? Quade Green from Philadelphia. E.J. Montgomery and Ashton Hagens are from Georgia. Well, I guess uh, Reed Travis, he's from Minnesota and came from Stanford. So I guess he's, I guess he's the furthest west. I don't, are you, uh, are you trying to say that Calipari has a west coast bias? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I think part of it is you have to be probably judicious with that. It's going to take a ton of your time, even yeah. with Calipari's access to a private jet, it's going to take a ton of your time to fly across the country and go get those guys. There are, we, you know, the sort of the ecosystem in terms of AAU programs and who they're connected wow. to and all, all those things. I mean, I just think, you know, it's tougher to get those guys. It's tougher to go get them, to go, to go see them, to go spend time with them. And you know, I think you have to be, probably like i said judicious with your time as you recruit out west so 
for whatever reason, they've sort of slowed played McDaniels, but it seems like uh, they are heating that up as well, and he seems very interested in them to put him put them on his final list. We'll wrap recruiting talk with the Scotty Lewis. I'll call it a saga, just because that's nice a little alliteration, Scotty Lewis saga. Uh, but it's funny that how things kind of people read into things, and there's Instagram posts, and then there's a picture of him playing pickup basketball in Kentucky shorts. I think I don't know, Kyle. We we talked about it with Ben how it wouldn't surprise anybody if he just committed to some place out of the blue, either Kentucky or Florida. Uh, but I guess John Calipari probably wasn't mad that he was out there playing pickup in Kentucky shorts earlier no, this week. No, there was the uh, earlier Instagram post he had where I think it was a Kentucky shirt. Was it a shirt or hat? I can't remember. But he had on some UK gear at the beach with one of his friends. Um, I'm, I was told just last night by somebody that's very close to that recruitment that he really liked his visit to Kentucky. And we talked about it with Ben on the podcast last week and sort of speculated that, you know, it seems like he's the kind of guy we, we know he played pickup with all the, the current team and uh, it gave an interview, I think to Adam Zagoria about how much he enjoyed that. And, you know, spe- speculated a little bit on the idea that maybe getting around those guys and realizing what practices are going to be like as a guy who wants to be the best and wants to be a pro thinking about all the talent he'd be surrounded by at a place like Kentucky. What would practices be like? What would, what would it be like to be a teammate with all those talented guys around you? being able to have a specific role and not feel the pressure of, you know, doing something that you're not and try to be a big time scorer, which he's really not, but he is an elite defender and just a, you know, an impact player in other ways on a team like Kentucky that's loaded every year. You can have that role. You can carve out a specific role and really play to your strengths. You wonder if that visit didn't give him a better, more concrete vision of what he could be and how he'd be used at Kentucky um, than he had before because I as I said I heard from someone that knows um, that he really really enjoyed that visit and, and I think you know there are some other things moving behind the scenes I think he's got a couple people in his ear that are really pushing Florida I mean his AU sort of benefactor uh, guy he's been close with a long time one of his best friends is the son of that guy and, and is committed to Florida AAU teammate of Scotty Lewis you know there's obviously that pull to Florida uh, but there, are, I think there are some other people in his camp that see the value of him going to Kentucky, and and that would be a really um, big reversal of fortune for John Calipari. It'd be a major recruiting win uh, because all the all the buzz has been Florida, almost like a done deal for Florida. And I think it maybe isn't that now. I think it may be a little closer to a coin flip. We're gonna wrap with some NBA talk from former Kentucky guys. I think we'll have some fun with that. But first, I want to let you guys know about FanDuel. Football is here, and if you've missed your season-long fantasy leagues, have no fear, you can still play FanDuel. FanDuel has one week and even one-day games. And now they're going to help you even more. Guru is a new tool that makes building smarter lineups simple for fans of all skill levels. So players can be confident you're putting the best team on the field. This is a responsive, wizard-like draft experience that makes recommendations and provides tips as you draft based on who you are picking. I'm on FanDuel, and you should be too. Check out FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and i got a special promo for you. You get $20 if you are a new user when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. So use the promo uh, link, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Come play with me at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You are Locked On Kentucky, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Kyle, 
you pay attention to a lot of the NBA stuff. You follow a lot of our, well, some of our former colleagues, including Brett Dawson. Shout out to him for getting a new job at The Athletic covering the Thunder. Um, so you follow that, follow the NBA from the former guys. What was the most enter- entertaining thing you saw from Media Day? Uh, the most entertaining thing was, uh, I think, hands down, uh, Cantor saying that when he thinks about the playoffs, it makes his nipples hard. <laughs> uh, I was trying to decide if I was going to say that out loud myself, but uh, you did. It was great. Well, what what made it great was it, like he immediately said, "I'm sorry." Like uh, when I think about the playoffs, <laughs> it makes my nipples hard. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, he has a great that was, personality. That was pretty awesome. I, I I can't think of anything better on media day than that. Uh, there might have been some some better clips or something, but that was the funniest with a Kentucky connection that I saw. The, the thing that kind of sparked my interest was the fact that Tyler Eulis signed with the Warriors, and I didn't get yep. a chance to look it up. It was some kind of contract exception. It had some name to it, so I don't know the full workings of it, but that would be Basically a camp invite, I think, and, uh, is that and what you know, it, a chance, maybe a chance to prove himself. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see where that goes, but that's an interesting team for him to be on. I mean, they obviously don't have a ton of extra money considering all the stars they have, so they got to get some cheap contracts to fill out a roster. And I would imagine he would be on the cheaper side that you could get. So I think he would, he could fit in well there. Would be an interesting piece off the bench, and he's almost guaranteed to get a championship ring if he can hang on there and become a warrior during the regular season. Yeah, I mean, he could get out and run with them, and uh, certainly for him as he's trying to, you know, do a difficult thing, which is to last in the NBA as a very small guy. There are just some things you can't overcome in, in, in the NBA, and being tiny is typically one of them. You know, and you can talk about heart and all the things. Like, Tyler Eulis has everything you want, except he's just way too small. Um, and, and it can be a problem in a league where, you know, you've got six, 11 guys playing on the wing that you're, you know, one of your players is five foot eight. So, um, but as he tries to find ways to work angles and I mean, you've got to, you've got to be so perfect at everything else you do to overcome that huge limitation in the NBA's eyes, trying, as you try to do that and find a way to stick, you could probably not pick a better place and, and group of people to learn from than the Warriors and Steph Curry and all those guys. So that's, that seems like a great opportunity for him if he can hang around. Carl Town signed a huge, huge contract, $190 million. And the Timberwolves have a bunch of drama going on right now at their, their facilities. Well, I guess technically not at their facilities because Jimmy Butler ain't showing up, but they're trying to trade their secondary superstar off that team, but it seems like they're locked. They've locked in with with Carl Towns, and I can't completely blame them. No, I mean if I'm picking one guy, it's, it's certainly for the long term bet. It's Carl Towns. Uh, you know, he's a NBA Rookie of the Year. He's already been on, on an All Star team. He can do things at his size that very few people. I mean, he's a modern NBA big man, um, sort of almost a prototype, and so. Um, his defense needs a bunch of work still, but he does. He's such a weapon offensively um, that if I'm if I'm picking anybody on that roster to hitch my wagon to, it's going to be him. Uh, and so you know, it looks like they'll build around him and Wiggins, and and those are a couple guys who will have a bunch to prove to, you know, basically try to spend this season proving that they were the right 
they were the they were not the problem. <laughs> that Jimmy is the problem. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know there's been some stories that Thibodeau's still working behind the scenes to to try to make a last ditch effort to keep him there. I uh, don't think that's going to happen. Um, but you know, whatever. One thing here's all I know in that situation. I'm not an insider by any means. Carl Towns is really, really rich now. And uh, unless he has just horrible financial management, and I actually think he's probably one of the, you know, smarter, better prepared guys in that department, uh, then he's going to be rich for the rest of his life. He talks about how cheap he is all the time. I think there was, I mean, yeah, that's like a a running joke. And some of his numbers, when you look at, and you don't have to get too deep into analytics, but the farther you go, I guess the better it gets. I'm a real bad, big fan of Sam Vecini and his breakdown of, uh, kind of prospects, and even when you you're into the NBA, you know, projecting you forward, and he had a long kind of piece on on Towns and how some people might kind of balk at the number and say, "Holy cow, that's a lot to give to a guy who, during this Jimmy Butler drama, Butler kind of pointed to Andrew Wiggins as well as their work ethic was questionable, and Towns has a tons of struggles on defense." Um, but he wrote, wrapped up his piece on the Athletic uh, with this little paragraph, and I just thought it was. It was pretty, just shows what almost all NBA people think of him. And Vassini said, even a reasonable, normal developmental curve from this stage forward likely puts Towns in the Hall of Fame barring injury. That might sound like an off-the-cuff, purposeful exaggeration, but it's simply the reality of what Towns has already shown us. Those guys are worth max contracts, even if their game isn't complete right now. And when you look at him and you do the numbers... It's like you see Olajuwon and like all these other names that were all-time greats. And his shooting, I guess, from a big man perspective, I saw uh, ESPN flash a stat where he had the same three-point percentage as Steph Curry last season. Obviously, Steph Curry takes a ton more, and they're much more difficult. But to kind of even be in that... That's vac- wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just insane what he can do offensively. And, you know, he's got to improve his defense. And in theory, he we think I think he could... And sometimes you hear people talk about him, and it's weird because he was actually better at Kentucky on defense than he is in the NBA. So you've seen some stuff, but I think he's well worth it. And eventually he'll be in that conversation for like top five players in the NBA in the next coming years, I think. I think so too. I mean, they've got, you know, at least two, if not three or four guys who um are in that mix or will be in that mix i mean mm-hmm. anthony davis is one already carl's right there uh you know Devin. marcus cousins is was probably a you know top 15 ish guy before, before injury. his injury and, mm-hmm. and maybe could be again john wall you know is a guy who could contend for an mvp at some point i mean i you know that's that's a, a growing list as is the the general list of kentucky guys in the nba all right, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. And I'm at Kyle Tucker underscore SEC. For the time being. Be sure to be following the show at Locked On UK and find us on Facebook. Just search Locked On Kentucky. However you're listening, please subscribe, rate, comment, and then most importantly, share with someone else who would enjoy this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon.